Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, August 26th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? Tired. I just picked up a new job at a moving company and done two days of that the past two, and uh, my arms certainly not used to that so each of the days somewhere through the day carrying stuff i just feel my biceps start to kind of tear apart a little and i've had to be like to the third worker hey come take this from me i'm gonna drop it so i was pretty happy to have a day off today but then while trying to figure out where i'm gonna live in september i ended up having to bike to my new apartment to meet with building management which ended up being about seven kilometers of which like 80 100 meters uphill and I did all of that with my bikes at about half tire pressure in a heat wave (laughs) so yeah it's been productive but a bit of a grueling day how are you doing I'm doing well man it sounds like you're gonna be a specimen in a couple of weeks that's the hope (laughs) doing well um Nothing really that exciting going on in my life. I, I don't know if you can tell. I have a bit of a shiner. Just took in, took a just a small one. Took an elbow playing some basketball on Monday. Um, I'm also fighting like a mild version of vertigo, something like it's weird now for about 36 hours. I've just been feeling slightly dizzy. Um yeah, you I don't really know what that's about. Sickness, eh? Yeah, but I haven't been in a car. So I know it's it it does feel it that's actually a great way to talk about it. Like it does feel like car sickness a little bit. I used to get it really bad, but it's kind of that beginning symptom where you just feel a little off. And I've been dealing with that for past couple of days now. I don't know if it's the heat, like no AC in the apartment. Right. So um, my apartment right now is at 78 degrees Fahrenheit, which I think is around 26. Um, My room (laughs) says 28 right now. Good Lord. Yeah. I, it's been a tough couple of days, man. I don't know what's week. going on, probably climate change, but, um, they decided to crank up the temperature here in Canada for late August when it's normally supposed to be cooling down a little bit, uh, dealing with like some Southern U S type weather right now and not good for us. Not, not what we're used to. We're not built for this. October is going to be the new September. Yes. Happy Halloween, but (laughs) yeah, I can't wait though. Just, uh, less than two weeks now school's back in session. Um, I don't know. I always have loved the fall. It is going to be weird not going back to school, but, um, I just have positive associations with this time of year coming up. A big part of that is football coming back, more sports coming back. Um, and, and, getting to see a lot of people now in the same city again, looking forward to that. But uh, it is going to be a weird feeling when I'm not like able to go on excursions throughout the day when I'd normally be like in class or meeting up with folks to study, things like that. The nine to five life is more regimented and there are good and bad things that come with that. But um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting adaption for me. Uh, But luckily, the things that I hopefully, some of the things I hope that will stay um, normal is the podcast that we continue to do. Um, we're only at once a week right now because 
not too much going on as people try to scramble to make the most of the off seasons in their respective sports, because it feels like the off season is, is quite short and things are moving really quickly. Only three weeks away from the NFL, I believe less than that now. And, and only a month away from training camp for the NBA and NHL. So things are right around the corner. Uh, but until then, we'll have just enough news once a week to, to keep everyone going. We're hoping to have a good show today. Yeah, been trying to, at first I fought it. I, I wanted to stay at twice a week. And with UFC tennis, could maybe push it to work. But my perspectives changed a little this past week. The taking a job probably helped with that. It's the more rest we take now, the harder we can go when it picks back up. It's hard to go that intensely 51 weeks a year so enjoy what we get and enjoy the rest even more and we'll make the most of what's there and it'll maximize everything when sporting season returns yes sir i'm ready to go uh so for today's pod we have basketball uh the return the magnificent return i know everyone was waiting on the edge of their seats for our segment tokyo bros uh, which usually just involves Tokyo O when um, we've got football fan cave, uh, some talking hockey, a lot of tennis there and, and a little bit of baseball to wrap things up. Um, so I guess we will fly whatever, however long it takes 22 hours. Is that flight to Japan? Who even knows? But uh, we'll start in Japan where the Paralympics have just gotten underway. Um, this is the first time that CBC has full coverage of the Paralympics, same amount of coverage as the Olympics. Um, I imagine the pandemic had a bit to do with that, just being able to get more production crew into those facilities because there's a lot more room for them to operate with no fans in attendance. But um, it allows us this unique opportunity to really get the full experience of the Paralympic Games, which is just an incredible event all the way around. Um, One of the great quotes that came out early from Uh, the Paralympics. I I can't remember who said it, but uh, when you look at the Olympic Games, a lot of the people participating in events, everyone looks the same, or at least the body type is the same. But you look at the Paralympics and everyone is different. And there's so many different incredible stories to latch onto and relate to and cheer people on. And everyone in that competition is a winner in one way or another. And uh, it's like really positive vibes keeping me going right now, uh, late in the summer as we continue to rage, uh, as the fourth wave starts to begin looking like, um, it's nice to have these great stories to watch and, um, Canada already with four medals with a couple more hopefuls tonight. Uh, I love learning new things about sports. I'm always trying to learn about sports. Uh, that's a big theme of what our podcast is all about. Uh, but just finding out some of the ways that sports are classified, some of the stories behind uh, learning new sports, things I've never seen. Uh, wheelchair rugby, I believe it's it's coined murder ball. Can't wait to watch a couple of games of that. It's going to be absolutely violent and destructive, and I'm here for it. So just if you have a moment, go back and, and turn on some Paralympic games and, and take in these incredible athletes. Um, there's truly a lot of wonderful stories and I just can't wait to continue to bring some coverage of that. I think blind soccer, my all-time favorite so far. I can't remember what comedy special I heard about this in, but the teller did an amazing job describing it. 
I don't know if you know anything about this. They put a bell in the ball and that's how the players track it. And then they play and you go, you YouTube it and all the comment sections are, did whoever did that comedy special bring you here as well? But what's (laughs) your favorite moment or game story you've heard so far been? Uh, Well, uh, there was a big feature today about the uh, top table tennis player who his arm got eaten off by a bear. Um, He's, he's right in the front of things. And uh, I also learned uh, about watching the track cycling last night that a lot of the part, so they'll have a classification. So it's a, if it's a visually impaired event, you'll have one person pedaling at the back and then they have a guide sit in the front for the tandem bike. And the guide is usually a former like high level cyclist, or even there's been a couple instances where there uh, are Olympians who are the guides for the visually, like former Olympians who are guides for the visually impaired athletes. So that's really, really cool. And um, they get to say they participated in more than just the Olympics. They also participated in the Paralympics as well. Um, Another really interesting moment that we saw in, I felt bad for laughing, but uh, in the medley last night for one of the swimming events, uh, there was a swimmer who had no arms, so they were just kicking. And you know how swimmers have to reach to touch the wall at the end of the race? He literally just runs straight into the wall head first. And I was, and me and my girlfriend sitting there, we just went, oh my God, like it's so shocking that we laughed because it was like, that's got to hurt. But I guess you put it all out on the line for a medal, right? <laughs> Is this the uh, table tennis you're talking about? I, I saw this on my Twitter feed today. I believe so. For those listening on just audio, I'm currently <laughs> holding a photo of a man holding a table tennis racket with his mouth. I He seems to have no arms in it. I don't mm. know. Could be if, a different player then. I, it could looks like maybe one arm could be tucked in the shirt. I'm not certain it's it's just it's incredible what these people can do i think the caption says it all the human will is awe-inspiring yeah it if it truly makes you believe you can do anything right if these people can do what they do at such a high level anything truly is possible um so yeah take a look at at the paralympics i'm really excited to bring some more coverage uh but that'll do it for that segment and we will transition into basketball storylines uh Where do you want to start first, Max? NBA or uh, other? Let's go other. All right. So we will start um, with an exciting announcement for me, but uh, maybe not so exciting in the general NBA community. NBA Top Shot. I was on this fairly early, and I brought you some updates throughout. We did some pack openings way back. It's it's certainly lost a lot of its value. Um, The consumer base continues to grow, and there is optimism that things are going to turn around and, and start to climb back up as we enter a new season. But the NBA uh, Top Shot making a big announcement earlier this week that they will be bringing WNBA Top Shot to the platform uh, with new moments uh, in the 25th anniversary season of the WNBA. They'll be bringing some historic moments and they'll also start to be bringing some moments from this current season. Uh, it was great timing for the announcement as later that night, Brittany Griner delivered the sixth dunk in WNBA history uh, on a fast break. So that will definitely be in there. And, and I'm looking forward to picking up at least a, a guaranteed pack to say I was in on some of the first WNBA moments on Top Shot. Just a really cool thing. Uh, just adding to the platform 
giving more opportunities for those who are new to basketball to jump in through a new avenue. So if you're not necessarily a big fan of the sport or you're not entered in the sport, maybe you're into NFTs and this is a way for you to learn more about the league and interact with it in a different manner. And I think any opportunity to access the NBA, the WNBA is a good one. And for those who are interested in NFTs, it's a new opportunity for them to really try and build their knowledge of a league that they haven't known. A lot of people already asking, who are the best players in the WNBA? Who are some rising stars? Who are some rookies? Who are some of the better teams to watch? Because they have to learn this in order to build their NFT portfolio. And so that actually is going to bring more viewership and more uh, fandom to the WNBA. So I think it's a great strategic partnership for both uh, and really like an early adoption of the WNBA. This is much faster for them to get on board with Top Shot than other previous partnerships in the past where the WNBA is constantly scrambling to catch up. Uh, so I think it's a great partnership and I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. NBA Top Shot definitely making better business decisions than those at OnlyFans. <laughs> Moving on to the NBA, <laughs> uh, let's start with the Budenholzer extension. This one interests me just because I, I think it's as far we talk about armchair quarterbacks, but armchair coaches might be an even higher level because you truly, in the physical sense, anyone truly could do it. So the leap of the imagination may be a little bit smaller. And Mike Budenholzer, probably one of the most ripped apart coaches I see online to the extent where I was hearing, even if the Bucks win a championship, Mike's got to go. It did seem like he played Giannis more than 32 minutes this off, these playoffs. He did switch up his schemes. So tell me, what do you think about this extension? It's, oh, I love how this is such a flashpoint moment for Budenholzer, for the Bucks because if Kevin Durant's toe was an inch further back, then he would have probably been fired and we would have seen a new coach in Milwaukee. That was the buzz, right? People have been calling for his head for a couple of years now because Milwaukee wasn't the team that could get over the hump. And they finally did. Because of that slight, because of KD's big toe um, and also some other things that went their way and also an incredible season. Simply these guys finally put it together. Giannis was out of this world spectacular in that playoff run and they did it. And now Budenholzer finally reaches that pinnacle, that mountain, uh, winning a championship as a head coach, not just an assistant coach with the Spurs. And he has that now on his resume forever. And he totally deserves the extension now because of that. Uh, what could have been is something much worse for him in his case, but you have to reward that now. You can't just toss a guy out the window who's brought you a championship to the city. And so uh, I think now that they've done it, there's a lot more hope that they can do it again uh, because we've seen him make some more adjustments this season. And, and now that it's shown him that it can pay off, I'm sure he'll be even more eager to try more things next season and, and look to keep things fresh because the hardest thing to do is go back to back because you've already done it and they kind of sit there like fat cats and there's no need to really work on things. But now that maybe it's shown that, they can be successful by playing and tinkering with new ideas. He's going to be more willing to do that next season and keep things fresh. So they're still grinding towards that next milestone. 
I'm sure people will be calling for his head in less than one month into the start of the season, but enjoy the reprieve you have for now, Mike. (laughs) I guess we'll move on to another Eastern Conference contender in the Boston Celtics. They extend uh, Robert Williams, Time Lord, to a four-year, $54 million extension. They also extend Josh Richardson, um, two guys who will be either solid bench pieces or pieces that you can insert into the starting lineup when needed. Uh, Richardson really took a dive coming out from Miami, um, was not the player that everyone expected him to be in Philly, was not the player everyone expected him to be in Dallas. Uh, he now is on to his fourth team with a new opportunity here with the Celtics um, to play maybe slightly less of a role than he's been asked to play in previous seasons. I think it's fine that they have him there. Um, the salaries add up exactly between him and Al Horford to equal Bradley Beal's salary. So <laughs> maybe there's something in the in the uh, in between the lines there. Uh, and then the Robert Williams extension, that's the money you have to pay for a, a big like him now. And he's taken some substantial steps in his development the last couple of seasons. He is a great lob threat slash rim protector. And it's a good number value for him, if, especially if he continues to develop and grow, because he could very well be their starting center next year if, if things break a couple different ways. And um, it's not a bad number to have him at. So it overall, Brad Stevens has had a pretty solid offseason. And it'll be interesting to see what this Celtics team looks like going forward. I think they still suffer with a little bit of, uh, of center issues and a little bit of guard issues. They have more depth now uh, with, with Schroeder and, and with Marcus Smart, but they do lose Kemba Walker. So maybe not as high of a floor um, on that team or as high of a ceiling, but it all comes down to the growth, continued growth of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. That is what's going to take this team into true contendership. Um, all the pieces around it, they just have to keep the team afloat and, and be average to above average role players. And I think both of Richardson and Robert Williams can both be those guys. Yeah. Speaking of bigs in the East, we don't have this in our notes, but I was wondering if you heard anything or had any thoughts on DeAndre Jordan being rumored to leave the Nets, whether through trade buyout, I think those are the only two ways he can leave. Yeah. The, my thought on DeAndre Jordan, he was always that third guy who came along with KD and Kyrie. Um, the Nets signed him and he got his big paycheck because of those two. They wanted him there. Uh, there's a, there's a close relationship between those three. But as we saw from last year, he just isn't the same player that he used to be. Um, not nearly as effective protecting the rim or even trying to guard out on the perimeter on switches. And so his value greatly diminished. He's no longer worth anything near what he's making. Uh, Definitely a minimum guy now. And there are a lot of other opportunities for him to possibly pursue as a mentorship, or if like he's in a great spot to ring chase, but from the Nets perspective, you don't want a ton of money being caught up uh, in DeAndre Jordan, if you are going well over the luxury tax. So there's an opportunity there for them to save some money and, and move him. You just wonder how that will affect Katie and Kyrie. If one of their guys that they brought in, one of their friends is, is moving out. For sure that. And also 
that's not a position they have a ton of depth in bringing Blake Griffin helps. So if that move does happen, it gets even more paper thin there. I imagine there are enough players on the market or G league guys, someone in the system to take a chance on who can bring roughly what Jordan's bringing at one less digit, the paycheck. Well, that's the thing is like they went with so many different interesting options last year with Bruce Brown. They went with Blake Griffin. They went with Jeff green at the five. Um, Jeff green, obviously I believe has, has moved on now. I forget where he went. Um, but it, it, it is a position where they don't have a lot of space. I think they're really relying on another step being taken by Nick Claxton, um, who showed that he had some decent, uh, side to side quickness, lateral quickness, um, and some versatility being able to switch. And honestly, with those three guys, the way that they are uh, offensively, you don't need to have a center in there junking everything up it's okay if if he if you have a guy who only plays defense and then shoots threes um even if you give up a little bit of size you're counting on the fact that you can just outscore everyone and we saw that they played against a milwaukee team which outsized them by a wide margin but just the creativity and the scoring and the ability of some of those smaller stockier guys like blake griffin to hang in there uh, that was enough to bring them to seven. And quite honestly, if they had gotten past Milwaukee, we very easily could have seen Brooklyn win that championship. So it seems like they're not super concerned about finding another guy to replace DeAndre Jordan. If something happens through buyout or if they find someone in the G League, sure, that's great. But it's it's not a big area of concern for them. It's just about moving DJ and, and opening up some of that luxury tax relief. Yeah, I my head always operates in the GM space of the NHL with the hard cap. So the luxury tax, saving money, ownership priorities never quite register on first impulse. Yeah. Moving on. And I, w- I was yeah. correct about Jeff Green. He is with the Nuggets as well as Jamichael Green. And all they need is, is the th- there's another guy whose name starts with J ends with green. And I can't remember now, but they, they needed him to make the trifecta of J greens. <laughs> Love to see it. Unlock yeah. the hidden collection. All right. Last up, I think on our basketball storylines is the Raptors schedule release. Yeah. So the whole NBA schedule got released, but uh, obviously we are a Raptors first kind of fans and, and, we talk about them a lot on the pod. So I thought I would jump into the schedule. I think they have nine or 10 back to backs. And and there are a lot of instances where there are three games and four nights. It is going to be a grueling 82 game season to return to 82 games. That um, again is going to lead to some of the similar issues we saw last season with a condensed 72 game schedule. Um, The biggest game of note is that February 3rd game where Miami first comes to Toronto to Scotiabank Arena, the return of Kyle Lowry is going to be emotional. It is going to be supercharged, um, and I just can't wait for that. That was the big red marker with stars and fireworks that I circled on the calendar. Um, and by then, we'll know very well where these two teams sit in the league. Is that confirmed he'll be coming to Scotiabank on February 3rd? 
Yes. Okay. The Raptors are playing in Toronto this season. I'm pretty confident. It's just yeah. whether or not we will see fans based on what our numbers mm. are going to look like. Yeah. I, I imagine once they commit to playing the season in Toronto, no matter how COVID swings, unless it gets to league shutdown levels, they stay in Toronto. They're not going to switch yeah. to an American city midway through. No. And then they are requiring vaccination, proof of vaccination for all of their games. And um, I know some places, I think they're also asking for a negative COVID test if you're not vaccinated. But I think once it reaches a certain point, it's not going to matter. It's only going to be proof of vaccination. Yeah. So uh, not so worried about that being a super spreader event in Toronto. Yeah, not to get political, but Quebec <laughs> implementing that everywhere. I guess just private businesses implementing that in Ontario for now. Yeah, for now. I've got to get uh, that app downloaded and get my vaccine passport for September 1st. They're running these radio ads. One of them really hit home about so-and-so bought tickets to a concert. They showed up to their concert and couldn't attend. I've already <laughs> got bought two sets of tickets, so I got to get right on that. Oh, yeah. But that means you get to go to a concert. When is that? Oh, yes. I've got one late October, one late November, one early December. Maybe it's another one a week after in December. There's so many tours happening, and I am so goddamn excited. Awesome. <laughs> That's going to do it for the basketball segment. We are going to slide into Football Fan Cave, um, and we're going to start across the pond with some rumors that Kylian Mbappe wants out of PSG right after Lionel Messi arrived. Uh, I think this was in the works before Messi arrived. He wants to be the star of his own team. Um, and it looks like Real Madrid may be the main suitor there. Uh, Madrid really has missed a top level striker since Ronaldo moved to Juventus, but uh, Kylian Mbappe could be just the perfect successor that they need to really round out that team. Um, other big news is that Cristiano Ronaldo, the guy I was just talking about, seems to be a done deal, according to a lot of Twitter sources, that he is moving on to Manchester City and will join an English Premier League club. Um, poor, poor Manchester United fans who uh, were his biggest fans back when he played there near the beginning of his illustrious career. Now he is switching allegiances and playing for City. Uh, that is going to be absolutely brutal for fans to take in when they, uh, if he ends up going there and they're watching the, the Derby. Um, fascinating. It's been a wild transfer window this year uh, in soccer, and it's going to be wild to try and figure out the new faces on new teams. There's been a lot of movement across a lot of sports, but really some big names, like the main two, right? If it's Messi and Ronaldo and then if Mbappe moves those are probably the three biggest guys in the sport right now changing clubs and I don't know if that if we've ever seen a precedent like that um, at least in in European football wow we'll switch gears to American football uh, and a couple of starters named yesterday uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars of course naming the number one overall selection in this year's draft Trevor Lawrence to be their starter um, I feel bad for him. His offensive line does not look good. Uh, he is in for some punishment throughout this season. Could be another Joe Burrow type situation. However, the division AFC South is looking a lot weaker 
than um, the AFC North where Burrow resides. So there is a possibility here for the Jaguars to get some great rookie numbers out of Trevor Lawrence and possibly contend for an AFC South uh, division title because I think you cannot immediately count them out. I don't think they're going to have a great season, but depending on what we see from Lawrence, who knows if they could build some momentum near the back half of, of their 2021-2022 campaign. Did Tebow make starter? He got cut. Ah. Yeah. Old news? I think it was last week, and, and they just couldn't keep it on any longer. He couldn't block, um, he, and there was nothing else he did at a high enough level. So for his next chapter, I don't know, maybe we'll see him try out hockey or something. <laughs> Wait. Uh, the other starter named close to home for me, uh, the Denver Broncos naming Teddy Bridgewater, their starting quarterback over Drew Locke, uh, who had been the starter for the Broncos or a starter for the Broncos past two seasons. Um, I have always been a really big fan of Teddy two gloves before his injury in Minnesota. I thought he was awesome. Um, nowadays he just, I don't know if he has the deep game to really stretch things out. And I worry about, uh, how this offense is going to keep up with the Chargers, with the uh, Chiefs, of course, in the same division. So it's going to be tough. We're going to have to rely on our defense a ton. Um, what I love about Teddy is he takes care of the ball, and hopefully a lot of the weapons that we had this year, a lot of injuries for the Broncos last year, uh, hopefully a lot of the offensive weapons we have now with Cortland Sutton, with Jerry Judy, with KJ Hamler, uh, with Deshaun Hamilton, uh, with uh, Patrick, with... Noah Fant, uh, all these guys, hopefully they can stay healthy and provide some options for Teddy. Um, and if he takes care of the ball and if he makes the right reads with some of the talent that we have now built around him, I actually think it could be a pretty successful season for the Broncos. They're just in a tough division and the quarterback talent are around them uh, with Herbert and Mahomes is kind of the differentiating factor. So um, I have measured hopes but I think there is a scenario here where the Broncos could get into the playoffs and, and make a little bit of noise. The last thing I want to talk about that kind of popped up uh, in my feed today was guardian caps. So basically like looks like rugby helmets, but for football, they put these foam pads on top of their helmets. Um, apparently it, it does a great deal to stop the impact that they have with a lot of the tackles. My position as, as someone who's learned about concussions in the past is always you can put as much padding and equipment as you want around these guys. They still hit each other at incredibly high speeds and the brain isn't tied down by a piece of equipment. So it's still going to rattle around in there. So I'm happy that more measures are being taken to promote safe play. But until we figure out how to really stop the brain from uh, getting shaken, like, I don't know, uh, like a Polaroid picture inside your brain. <laughs> then we're not going to stop concussions, but at least we can deaden some of the impact there. I can't bring up a ton of facts and logic to back <laughs> my position on this, but I can bring a little, and mine has always been actually influenced by rugby, rugby that protective equipment kind of makes it worse. The more padding you give, just the more, oh, that doesn't hurt. I can go harder. The... I can back this up a little with an MMA versus boxing versus bare knuckle boxing in 
where the concussion rates are highest in boxing, where the hand padding is the most, the concussions in MMA lower, where there is less padding than boxing, and the concussions the lowest in bare knuckle boxing, where there are just hand wraps and no padding. Of course, there's a lot more facial lacerations in bare knuckle boxing. And so the, that aesthetic makes it a really hard sell. And it does kind of re resemble what you hear early Republican senator, or excuse me, Republican senators in the early 2000s describing MMA as this like, bloody free-for-all like wild west not resembling a sport shit show but there is i think absolutely something to more padding just gives the athletes leeway to hit harder and that's gonna do more damage than help yeah i i totally agree with that sentiment um rugby players without the equipment learn the fundamentals of tackling at a very young age and that leads to a lot of injury prevention that's a big part of things and uh, with the nfl they continue to add more layers of protection which means guys can go harder but um, you gotta always listen to some of the anecdotes of the players especially and if they're saying that it's helping them a little bit then it's you go with it for now but long term it, it's not the ideal solution for the record, I'm also fully in favor of bare knuckle MMA. <laughs> All right, cool. There's a little bit of combat corner sprinkled into football fan cave. Uh, we're going to turn now and head down to talk in hockey. And, and the very first piece of news here that I wanted to talk about was Henrik Lundqvist uh, retiring from the National Hockey League, a member of the Capitals and not a member of the Rangers, which was odd. Um, I would have thought he would have signed a one day contract, something like that. Uh, for everything that he has done for uh, the New York Rangers and that organization, a great run to the Stanley Cup final, only to lose in heartbreaking fashion uh, to the Los Angeles Kings. I believe that was 2014. Um, and truly, from the late 2000s on to 2018, he was the best goalie uh, across that time span, in my opinion. And has all the wins, all of the stats to back it up, uh, just never could climb that mountain. And he will probably be a Hall of Famer, uh, but forever will be one of those guys grouped in with some of the best to, to never win a cup. And so unfortunate that he couldn't do that, but congratulations on an incredible career. Uh, really fun to always watch him get in his office. Yeah, King Henrik, we salute you. Uh a member of the goaltenders club who has given me great, great, great anxiety, just knowing we were heading up against him in the 2014 winter Olympics gold medal. I think we took that one two one and that was as much as we were going to get on the King when he was playing with all the motivation in the world and top form. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we will move on here. Uh, the Women's IIHF Championship is going on. Uh, Canada and the United States, a rivalry as old as time in women's, women's hockey, gets to go tonight. Um, and unfortunately, the Canadian woman will be without their captain and most clutch goal scorer maybe in their history, uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain. So 
some anxious Canadian viewers here at home tonight as we get ready to go in that match because she always seems to score the most most clutch goal in the most clutch moments, and we won't have her tonight. Um, so it's going to be a full team effort in order to make up for her. Um, wishing the ladies luck tonight in their pursuit of the gold. Wonderful. Uh, next piece of business here. I thought we would talk... Well, let's talk about contracts that have been signed, and then we'll talk about some guys who still haven't been signed yet. Um, two identical deals, both eight years, $62 million getting signed today. Andrei Svechnikov returning to Carolina, big restricted free agent that they were able to bring back into their organization, as well as Sean Couturier of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, so some similarities between the two in, in some of their offensive prowess, but uh, very different styles of play and very different points in their career. Sean Couturier, this is his big kind of meaty deal as an established player in the NHL. He's a great two-way center, uh, does a lot of things for the Flyers on both ends, whereas Svechnikov, a bit more of a scorer type sniper finisher um, and he's still on the upswing, still really, really young in his career. And this is his big time deal that he's, made and now it's time to go out of there and, and improve it. Um, I saw this deal and it feels right where he, I wouldn't put him in the same category as Marner. I'm sure a lot of people would with some of the talent that he has uh, and getting him at a much nicer number than Marner. But also there are some similarities there with William Nylander, who's making a little bit less. I would say Shvechnikov is probably the higher level player, actually definitely the higher level player, but um, an interesting median struck there. And also how is this contract going to affect Brady Kachuk's contract, who is probably his closest comp in terms of age and, and uh, production. Yeah. I think Brady first in goals in that year of the draft and Svechnikov second, and yeah, we're at that point in the season where it's kind of now or never for contracts. Most players and management don't like to have these discussions while the season goes on. So I'd say there's a maybe three week window left to get some of these deals signed. And if not, then some anxious fans heading into that off season, probably. So always nice for each organization to have one less thing to be anxious about as the season goes on. And yeah, that's all I've, my thoughts on these two deals. Yeah. My last thought on the Couturier deal, when I saw it, I, I thought that was a lot of money and given some of the moves that Philadelphia has made this off season, uh, most notably Ryan Ellis. Um, and I believe they grabbed one other guy that I can't recall now. Um, but this Cam Atkinson was the other one. This deal puts them right up against the salary cap, which is surprising because a lot of teams have been trying to avoid doing that uh, due to the pandemic and costs and, and all of that stuff. But the Flyers will have $381,500 in cap space going into next season. So they are capped out and looking to contend right now. Um, and that's going to rely heavily on the development of Carter Hart, who kind of disappointed last year after making waves as a rookie and this team they've made some win now moves oh I didn't even know that they got Keith Yandel in there from Florida um so interesting to see what they do also Rasmus Ristolainen was a move that they made uh Flyers definitely in that win now mode so we'll see what they can do uh at the start of next season looking forward to that yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see how 
these teams match up against the entire league as opposed to this division, just their division, and uh, compare where teams find themselves placed in the rankings as opposed to where they were last season. Okay, so now we have, I, I threw together a list of guys here that have not found teams yet. And Max, I just want to know if any of these names stick out to you. Um, we have Tuka Rask, Kyle Palmieri, Casey Sezikis, Sammy Vatnin, Zidane Chara, and Alex Galchenyuk. Now, before I, I let you go, um, Kyle Palmieri, Casey Sezikis, there is some level of thought that these two deals are actually signed, but the Islanders are just waiting to announce them. Um, for who knows why, but it that's something that Lou has done in the past. So it could be some sort of competitive advantage that they're trying to gain there. Um, but Max, I'll give the floor to you if, if there are any other names that really strike out at you there. Yeah, it's probably years of trauma as a Leafs fan that Zidane Chara and Tuka Rask hit a little harder on impact than others. I, I'm not 100% on how Rask's season went. I think it was pretty decent. Chara, I know also pretty decent for the oldest player in the NHL for the Capitals last year. I think at this point in their careers, neither is asking for a lot of money. And with like Joe Thornton signing with the Panthers, I'm kind of shocked no one wants to take a chance on Chara. I would love to have him in blue and white. It, it would... He would definitely be that guy who only gets a couple of games every once in a while, but definitely a big enforcing present that, that the Leafs miss now that Bogosian has left. Yeah, just a nice bottom six player who's going to be solid within the right amount of minutes that I think would bolster our blue line well. But yeah, I don't know where we're at cap-wise, what he's asking. We'll see. I think he could very well end up in, uh, what is it? Czech Republic or Slovakia? I yeah. Oh. One of those. <laughs> that he could end up in one of those leagues rather than uh, in the NHL. I think that's just as likely of a, a possibility. We already saw David Krejci do it. Um, and <laughs> obviously Yager's over there, but that's not really related. Uh, so we'll see. There are a couple, there's about a month left. Um, we'll see a lot of uh, PTOs signed as well, but those are some big names that haven't been signed yet. And uh, who knows where they're going to fill it, fit in salary wise in the end. I think a lot of these guys are going to return to the teams that had them last year. Um, but always interesting to see in track. Uh, so that's going to do it for talking hockey. And now Max, you have about 12 minutes left to talk all you like about tennis. All right. I probably will not need that, but the draw for the U S open came out today. The first thought in my mind, even before this draw, was, oh, God, please let Djokovic and Zverev be on opposite sides of the draw, because that is the match I cannot wait for this tournament. That did not happen. Djokovic, Djokovic, my Serbian friend has been saying it to me all summer, and I still go back and say it how I've always said it, but Djokovic... And on the first quarter, Zverev in the second. Of both, um, Djokovic hasn't played since the Olympics, where he lost in the semifinals to Zverev. 
And that fact alone is enough for me to say that Zverev is going to be, on paper, Djokovic's biggest obstacle to doing what no man has ever done in this open era of tennis, completing the Grand Slam. And as disappointing as it is that the Golden Grand Slam isn't on the table, the extra adversity and suspense that Djokovic is going to be facing coming off a loss in his most recent chance to make history and having the last leg he the australian was almost a foregone conclusion the french was the really big oh my god he did that this this just got achievable yeah held our breath during wimbledon and he really never faltered the whole way through Um, The Olympics happening at the time they did, I didn't really follow the tennis and was pretty surprised to hear that he lost to Zverev. And that takes us to a really interesting place here where hardcore, suppose by the numbers, by history, Djokovic's best surface, that's what he lost to on against Zverev. And as with Zverev having won, the ATP 1000 in Cincinnati, putting him on an 11 match win streak, going back to his loss at Wimbledon against Felix Auger Aliassime. Um, he's a red hot player. They will likely meet. There's no reason to think they won't meet in the semifinals, unless Chapo has anything to say that about that, who's in the same quarter as Zverev. But as a tennis fan, that's the match I want to see most right now for Novak to have the chance to make history for him to avenge that Olympic defeat. I still give the edge to Novak just because the US Open is a five set and Zverev's win came against him in a three setter. Um, You've seen multiple times in the French Novak drop the first two sets and then come back to win so he won that first set against Alex at the Olympics 6-1 or 6-2 and then dropped the next two again like 6-1 or 6-2 so no idea how that would have gone if there were a fourth or fifth set he is the kind of player who just comes back against that and the extra time always in his favor but yeah that that is the match. Uh, there's really I th- just Berrettini in the first quarter who can give Novak any challenge. I think that one would happen in the quarterfinals on opposite sides within that quarter. For Zverev, Chapo, the biggest obstacle. I can't quite remember where they'd end up playing against each other. It is the third quarter of the draw that is the most stacked featuring Rublev, Felix Auger-Aliassime, as well as Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, Tsitsipas, of a special note, he will play Andy Murray in the very first round of the U.S. Open because Murray's seeding not very high these days with the time off he's taken. Also in the third quarter, uh, one Nick Kyrgios, who in a similar position to Felix, uh, or excuse me, to Andy, hasn't played much, so seeding very low. He'll also play a seeded opponent in his first match, Bautista Aju, who I remember most recently for going up against Chapo in the fourth round. 
might have he's been always that. been a fairly relevant player um yeah always seemed to be a guy that canadians have faced in semis finals of, of smaller events um so i've heard the name so many times but never been a a big standout player but obviously really really impressive and consistent to stay seated for as long as he has yeah that's it kind of a third to fifth round player in the grand slams consistently over the years so that'll definitely be an awesome match with Kyrgios um, and then I think Kyrgios and Felix would have a chance to revisit their Wimbledon matchup in the third round if they can each make it that far and then we've got Medvedev sitting pretty nearly all by himself as far as top 10 opponents go in the fourth quarter of the draw so those names Rublev, Tsitsipas, Medvedev probably the big ones in the bottom half of the draw and Djokovic and Zverev the two big ones in the top half um, Djokovic's chance for the Grand Slam of course the biggest storyline going into this U.S. Open I cannot wait here we go it's gonna be awesome <laughs> All right, we'll finish up. I have a little bit more time to get in some baseball. Robbie Ray with an extremely underrated uh, season. 14 more strikeouts last night to add to his collection. He's been great and actually probably in the conversation for the Cy Young at uh, even as a, a lesser contender, but really impressed with what he's done and he's headed towards free agency. Um, unfortunately, after that impressive performance today, the Blue Jays unable to get it done and their season's looking pretty bleak at this point. I'm going to have some more thoughts on this team uh, near the end of the season just because I worry about the fact that they tried to go all in a little bit too quickly. And now it looks like their team could even take a step back next year. But don't want to think about that now. Got to keep the positive vibes rolling uh, as we end in the summer. My dad's going to a game next week. Got him tickets for his birthday. So uh, I look forward to hearing from his experience and, and finally getting to see the guys in, in person. Um, and a last shout out here to the Baltimore Orioles, who the Jays will be playing next week. Uh, they broke their 19-game losing streak last night um, in an otherwise dreadful season. And, and they're a team that is still on the rebuild. So there you go. That's it for baseball. That's it for me. That's it for this podcast. Thanks everyone so much for listening and hanging in with there in there with us uh, as we go through the final dog days of the summer and September is a week from today, believe it or not. Uh, September 2nd actually is a week from today. So things are moving quickly despite feeling a little bit slower and uh, we'll be back two times a week before you know it. But thanks everyone again for listening. I appreciate it. Max, any final thoughts? My apologies if you hear a constant drip during this podcast. That would be my sweat pouring furiously. It's actually my, my swag. The drip, you know. Yeah. Well, the mad drip is silent when it's at the level we're at. Sports Next Door signing out. <laughs>